Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show. Coming up, we're going to talk about the top 10 places to live in Canada if you want to escape the city. Believe it or not, there's only one place in Ontario that made the list, and you might find it quite unusual. Some of our listeners did, as did I. So we'll get to that. And we'll also talk to Tristan Hopper from the National Post, who discusses the reasons why it is a royal pain in the patootie to leave the monarchy for Canada. But first. I heard Sandy Salerno talk about the mobile data from phones and how it shows that lockdowns were leaky and people are traveling. This is uh, Star reports that in the week that York moved into the red control category, for example, the region saw more than 100,000 additional visitors from Toronto compared to the previous week, 15% increase. And after after Hastings, Prince Edward County moved into the green on February 10th, um, people started going to restaurants, movie theaters, and hair salons, and a bunch of them were from Toronto. About 25,000-plus Torontonians visited the area that week. That's a 66% jump from the week prior. And this movement, people say possibly could lead to a third wave. But, you know, there are people that are completely beside themselves because if you are in Peel and if you are in Toronto, you have moved into the COVID framework. But if you are one of the people in the service industry, you still can't cut hair, you still can't do nails, and you're just watching your business walk across the street. Bernadette Taggio is co-owner co-owner of King's Crown Barbershop in Toronto. Got two locations, Bernadette, and welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I feel for you, Bernadette, because um, unlike other businesses who have been allowed to open here and there uh, with these lockdowns that you know, uh, are lifted and then uh, we, we're under restrictions and then they're lifted and then we're under restrictions... It's been almost three and I would say a half month since you've been able to operate. How are you guys doing? You know, it's really difficult. And I think, you know, to your point, the Toronto lockdown hasn't stopped people from getting their services done. It's just changed where they're getting it done. Um, I've heard firsthand from my clients and they'll say, listen, I'd love to get my hair cut with you, but you're not open. So I'm going to go to York or I'm going to go to one of the surrounding regions. Um, as a business owner, really disheartening to hear that you're losing your clients even temporarily. Um, and then as a business owner, you're also worried about your team, right? So like I've got a team of people that are itching to come back to work. They've How got many more people work pay. for you? I've got about 20 people and mm-hmm. uh, in between the two locations. And uh, yeah, they call me and they're like, this is ridiculous. You know, how come York gets to open, but we don't? Um, trying to keep them motivated is really difficult but you know the mortgage their mortgage payments haven't been deferred this time so they're trying to feed their families and pay their mortgages and we're locked down and watching everyone else operate uh, ends up being really frustrating for us it may sound ridiculous but outside of your partnership and your family there are two extremely important relationships you don't mess with one is your mechanic, the other is your hairstylist. So, Bernadette, I mean, what's the motivation for 
your clients telling you that they're they're going to have to go to York because I mean they risk you know um, messing up their relationship with you. It's a very it's one that you just if you found somebody that can do your hair right, you're not messing around. That's an important relationship. So are they calling you trying to ask you if you might go underground, help them out a little bit? Like where does their honesty start? Well, you know it's no it's no secret there are a lot of people going underground, um, and so. But the clients are mostly calling to say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, mm. I'm going to go somewhere else. And it's more of an apology. Um, you know, you don't feel like yourself unless you have your hair cut. And so after three months of growth, they're just like, I, any cut will do at this point. I just need to get the hair off. Right. Um, so they're so- calling and it's like it's damage control. They're calling in advance so that if they can come back to you, they know that you know that someone else addressed your hair and it wasn't you and they'd already apologized so that your relationship can maybe somewhat go back to normal. Yeah. So what happens is it's more of their calling. A lot of, a lot of people actually don't understand what the framework, what, what's allowed in each framework. So they're calling first to book an appointment. And then I'm explaining to them, listen, I'm really sorry, but Toronto's zone does gray. So we can't actually do services. And they'll tell me right on the phone. First of all, they're shocked and they go still, and then, uh, and then after that, they go, listen, I'm really sorry. I've got to go get my hair cut. But as soon as you open up, I'll, I'll come back. Are you um, worried they won't come back? It, it is a roof. Um, you know what? I think uh, we are very lucky. We've got a great uh, client base and we deliver a full experience here. So I'm confident our clients will come back and they, they appreciate the value that we deliver. Um, but yeah, it's in the back of your mind. How can it not be, right? How do you're changing habits and routines. Um, and so there's, there's always a small fear that, you know, I might be losing my client base as I'm forced to sit behind my locked doors and watch everyone else operate. And you're renting presumably, right? You don't own the buildings you're in. No, I'm not. I'm I'm actually in, uh, the one downtown is on the fifth floor of the Hudson's Bay and the one in baby Village is in baby village shopping center. So that can't be cheap. uh, Yeah. Every, every day, no, every day mm. you've got mounting bills and you just kind of get to sit. It's just, it's frustrating, especially considering we've had a year to figure out how to battle this virus and safely keep our businesses open. And I, our approach hasn't gotten any more strategic. And remind um, us what so you've done to very frustrating. Remind us what you've done to keep your business safe during the pandemic, like all the hoops that you've jumped through, all the investments you made. Oh, absolutely. After the first shutdown, listen, keeping everybody safe is, is our, our top priority. Um, so we invested in infrastructure like dividers behind chairs. We did temperature controls at the door. Um, all stations were cleaned before and after every client. Chairs were disinfected. We actually moved to a disposable cape system. Mm. So every client got a fresh cape that was unpromptly disposed of. Um, all touch service, all high touch services like countertops and bars and the merchant terminal, um, they were all disinfected every 15 to 20 minutes. Um, we, we ran through 70% alcohol, which is uh, a disinfectant. We are going through gallons and gallons of it. Um, did you have to raise your prices? We we definitely incurred a a more cost service, but we kept our pricing consistent. Um, it's a hard time for everyone. And so uh-huh. we tried to do the best that we can. Um, and then, you know, as a small business, investing in the infrastructure to, to operate safely and then have the second shutdown hit. And then, you know, you see kind of the big box stores operate. You know, I can keep my 
small shops clean a lot easier than kind of the big box stores can because just proximity, right? I can, I can operate with a handful of people and keep everyone safe because I can have someone disinfect. You know, I I hear what you're saying and I think it's terrible what's going on because I do think that, you know, if you limit the amount of people in, you should be able to do your job safely. But I'm at a bit of a clock here. So we've got like 30 seconds or less. What message do you want to send to Toronto Public Health and the mayor? We're not keeping people from Toronto at home. We're just driving them to surrounding regions, which is ultimately more of a risk. We've got more people going into more concentrated areas. We're going to have to find a way to safely open Toronto. I appreciate your time and I feel for you, Bernadette. I hope that, you know, that we're out of the lockdown, the gray zone soon, and that, you know, within a week or so, you'll be able to operate again. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Cheers. You too. Bernadette Taggio, co-owner of King's Crown Barbershop. There's two of them. One of them's in the Hudson Bay a building, fifth floor on Queen Street. A recent survey done by rates.ca revealed that of the 12% of Canadians who plan to purchase or have already purchased a primary residence since April 2020, Almost a quarter of them said COVID-19 played a role in their decision-making. Um, one in five home buyers say they plan, they've moved or plan to move from a major city hub to a small town or rural area. And uh, this was all in something called Canada's Top Places to Move. If you're trying to escape the city by rates.ca, 61% of home buyers cite affordability as the key criteria when they're making the decision to relocate. Yeah, I get that. And so they set out to discover which of the areas in Canada have the best combination combination of affordability, economic momentum, and livability. 51% of Canadians who moved did so to live in an area with more nature. 36 felt financial pressure to find a cheaper home, but square footage and mortgage payments are uh, not all there is to life. The best locations, they say, have so much more. The report examines factors like Home price growth, mortgage costs, as well as economic quality of life factors uh, for promising growth trends, amenities, climate. So where are the top places to live in Canada? All right. Are you ready for this? Should we start at 10? I'll start at 10. Because there's only one uh, place on the list of top 10 in Ontario. Quebec City's 10. Penticton, BC, 9. Sydney, Nova Scotia, 8. Seven, Cowichan Bay. Number six, I'm going to skip it because that's the Ontario town. Number five, Roslyn, B.C. Number four, Bathurst, New Brunswick. Uh, number three, Trois-Rivières, Quebec. It's horrible. What a terrible, terrible accent. Uh, Kelowna, B.C. is good. number two. Nah, come on now. And you're just being nice because I'm sick. Langford, B.C. was number one. Okay, here... <laughs> I love that you got that ready, Rob. Here is the only Ontario uh, location in the top places to live in Canada when you're trying to get out of Dodge. Niagara-on-the-Lake. Niagara Falls. Slowly I turned and step by step, inch by inch, 
I walked up to him and I smashed him. I hit him. I bumped him. I hit him. I cut him to pieces and I knocked him down. All right. Well, sounds like it's a not violent na- place. What's going on there, Kelly? <laughs> it's not. It's not Niagara <laughs> Falls. It's uh, that's one of Chris's favorite sketches. It's um, Niagara on the Lake. Niagara on the Lake, which is very different. I, I have to open up the phone lines here. I have a connection to Niagara on the Lake because my sister has a property there, so I go there quite often. Um, livability. Don't you correct me if I'm wrong? Don't don't you have to have a proper grocery store to have livability? Like. Honestly, it's a weak grocery store. I'm just going to throw that out. 416-870-6400. Niagara-on-the-Lake, is it really that great? I mean, it's beautiful, it's lovely, but it's super sleepy. Where's the best place to go if you are trying to leave the city? In your opinion, when it comes to livability, affordability, livability, is Niagara-on-the-Lake, is that your first choice? Because it's beautiful. I'll give you that. I I love every time I go. They got a great Balzac's location. Um, the Prince of Wales, great place to go for dinner. Their burger's pretty decent, by the way. But eh, I don't know. I was a bit shocked that, as far as this survey is concerned, Canada's top places to move if you're trying to escape the city when it comes to affordability, economic momentum, and livability. Niagara on the Lake is the only Ontario location. On the list, but I also think it's just a weird one. Do you think Prince Edward County is better? I, I don't know. I haven't been to Prince Edward County since I was a kid because I lived in Kingston and Picton uh. apparently is becoming hot. And that's what we used to do is go to the sandbanks in Picton when I was a kid. Um, but that was only for the time that I lived in Kingston. So I can't really speak to it. But funnily enough, I, we did not plan this. George in Oshawa, hey, Niagara on the Lake is not your choice. Where's your oh, choice? Picton. Down in down, uh, Prince Edward County. We didn't plan this, right? Like, there was no, no talking off air. No. I, used to, I can't really remember Picton that much. I mean, I know that we used to go there when I was a kid, when I lived in Kingston. But why is Picton so great? Uh, I don't know. You know, they're saying we you know, you got the beaches there and then you got the, the vineyards. But uh, my wife's family's down that way. And we should have bought there two years ago. We would have had a nice spot for one-tenth the price. It's gone crazy yeah. down there. No, I hear it's hot right now. It yeah. is on fire, Picton. Yeah, it's one of the one of the biggies. I appreciate the call. 416-870-6400. Niagara on the Lake. I don't want to insult anybody that lives in Niagara on the Lake. I love my sister's place. It's great. I fully expect that maybe she'd retire in Niagara on the Lake because they got a really nice spot. But uh, their grocery store is horrible. Like whenever I walk to the grocery <laughs> store, I'm like, really? We're bringing our food with us. It's horrible. When my... Whenever my wife and I talk about potentially moving out to the country, the two places we talk about are Prince Edward County and yeah. Niagara on the Lake. And I don't know if you that's like to drink. That's just, that might be part of it. But um, I think that in some cases before, you'd have to consider a career change to do that. But now that everyone can work from home, you've got other options. I have a friend who moved out to Niagara on the Lake and she's managing, or sorry, not Niagara on the Lake, but Picton, and she's managing a little motel out there. And um, I didn't even realize she was out there until I went there, sat down at the bar at their hotel, and then who walks up but my old friend. And uh, and it's a, it's a really cute little town, Picton is, and uh, that whole region is really great. But uh, bef- until now, all the jobs were in tourism. That, yeah. Now you can work remotely. Hey, John Paul, welcome to the show. Yeah, I find Niagara-on-the-Lake a strange location, A, because it's also pricey. And B, it's not really in the country. It's still part of the GTA. But uh, last year, we sold our house in Hamilton, and 
We bought in the Bonisher Valley. Where exactly is that? Uh, Bonisher Valley, Eganville. It's uh, Madawaska. It's south of the Algonquin Park. Okay. Uh, you would think Bay. that would be very expensive, south of Algonquin Park, because you're heading towards Cottage Bay, Country. No, we got... Uh, we told her our townhouse in Hamilton, and we for four hundred thousand, we got five acres, a house, brand new wow. house with with. Uh, then we have a double garage with a loft above it. Come on, pool and two ponds, four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Wow! And every time I take the kids out for ice cream in the summer, when we were up there in the summer, we just we we just kept on meeting other people from the GTA. And okay. Sold and moved out there. It's interesting. Beautiful place. Okay. Well, Edenville is going to be a hot one. Hey, Paul in Peterborough. I was a bit shocked that Niagara on the Lake is the only uh, place in Ontario in the province to get on the list of, of places to live. The best places to live if you want to get out of Dodge. I, Niagara on the Lake is, you know, he, John Paul's right. It's not cheap. And I've spent a lot of time down in Niagara Falls and Niagara on the Lake, and I'd like to throw a shout out to Peterborough, Ontario. We have uh, a river that runs through the town. We have a lake that's right in the center of the city. Within a 10-minute drive, you've got Stony Lake, Clear Lake, Buckhorn Lake, and Shimon Lake. We also have two Stanley Thompson original golf courses that are over 100 years old and another probably six golf courses within a 10-minute drive of Peterborough. Housing prices, housing prices, you're about $650,000 for a 3,000 square foot house with a double car garage and the, the access to the Trent Severn waterway system for anyone that likes to boat. Everything's, everything's here and you're still within an hour of Toronto. Okay, have you noticed a lot of people relocating to the Corthas uh, over the la- uh, during the pandemic because they can work remotely? Absolutely. They're selling their houses in the GTA for a million or 1.1. They're coming up, buying a house, and then they've got an extra three or $400,000 kicking around. They're, they're supporting the local car dealers, the luxury premium car dealers, as well as the rest of the car dealers. So it's been, for our economy, from that standpoint, it's been, it's been fabulous. And what uh, demo would you say they're in? I would say probably the 60, 60 okay. plus eight. Okay, so we're we're talking about people that were like, you know what, let's retire early, or at least you know look at the retirement, which isn't far off possibly, but we're going to still continue to work, but we're going to live the life that we thought we could live when we retire. We're just going to do it early. I don't know why I'm losing you, but I'm going to move on. Hey, Sue in Brighton. Hi there. How are you? I'm great. Good to have you on. I uh, I I would have to say that Brighton is the best place to live. Okay, what's so great about Brighton? Well, we're only an hour and a half from Toronto. We can be at the airport in an hour and a half. We've got uh, we've got a provincial park here. We've got Presqu'ile Provincial Park. The house prices are fabulous. Uh, you can still buy something out here for uh, $500,000, although there are million-dollar homes going up now. And uh, we found, we've, we've got a dog, we walk her quite often, uh, at the dog park and in town. And just in the last couple of weeks, we've met uh, six couples that have moved from Toronto. This morning, we met somebody who moved from Ottawa. And it's uh, the demographic is anywhere from couples in their 30s who've discovered that they can now work from home mm-hmm. and they can't afford a house out in Toronto, but they can afford a lovely house here. It's, uh, it's We've been here 24 years now. Wow. And it's starting to grow 
we've certainly seen a big change in the last two years, but uh, we find Picton is just a little bit too far. Once you're down in Picton, it's now a two and a half hour drive to Toronto if you want to go in. But uh, sometimes in the winter, we take the train in, stay for a weekend, uh, get a, get our fill of the city, uh, yep. shows, and it's it's fabulous. I, I appreciate it. You know, it's it's funny because you move out of the city and you think, well, I'm not going to do all the things I used to do in the city. That's not necessarily true. I think you actually use the city more once you leave the city. Then you go back and you use the things that were in your backyard and you took your time with because you're like, well, it's there. I'll get to it eventually. Andrew in Niagara on the Lake, welcome to the show and congratulations on buying in one of the top places in Canada. Top, uh, It's number six on the list of the best places nope. to buy if you're looking to get out of Dodge. Number six. Number Kelly, six. That's right. You know, I'm a little biased. I'm actually a realtor down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 30, 33 years old. Uh, I've got a five-year-old, a nine-month, and my wife is pregnant, going to be due in a few months here. So we couldn't have picked a better place to live. I, I'm going to agree with you. Hopefully the owner's not listening right now because he knows me. But, yes, we are lacking in the grocery store department. <laughs> you lack from those small little amenities make up for an incredible lifestyle. Golf, uh, wine, obviously. Our family owns a winery here. Um, restaurants, everything. The, the nightlife, of course. It's, you know, the Old Angel Inn pub. The for sure. Spent many a night there. Absolutely love it here. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. So next time you come down, you have to let me know and I'll get you a bottle of wine. All right. Well, what what vineyard do you run? Uh, my family, my wife's father and his, her partner, uh, they run Paradiso Estate Winery right on the, the escarpment, one of the only Niagara-on-the-Lake escarpment wines. Lovely. Okay, well, maybe I'll pop down and, and, and check out your, your vineyard. I appreciate the call, Andrew. Uh, the other good thing about Niagara-on-the-Lake, which, you know, because I, I, I do go there, but I can see the appeal. You could just head over the border, park your car, and uh, fly to uh, anywhere, like with an American airline, right? I mean, the access to everywhere is just across the border. All right, Justin Trudeau was pushed uh, yesterday asking, hey, should we ditch the queen? And he said, now is not the time to abolish the uh, monarchy in, in Canada. We shouldn't be even... Uh, dealing with an idea like that when we're dealing with a pandemic. He also has to, he's going to have a heck of a time looking for a diverse governor general, as we talked about yesterday with uh, uh, someone from the Toronto Star, uh, who wrote a column about the fact that uh, if they're looking for someone who's diverse to be the new governor general, good luck with the allegations that Harry and Meghan just made about the uh, possible racism within that royal family. So is it time to abolish the monarchy? That's the question. Apparently, according to our next guest, Tristan Hopper, with the National Post, it would be a royal pain in the butt. Funnily enough, that's also uh, part of the headline of your column. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Okay, what is so challenging about getting rid of the monarchy? It turns out, uh, this actually surprised me when I looked into it, I was like, why can't we get rid of the monarchy? And uh, Canada has one of the hardest amend, uh, hardest to amend constitutions in the world. So the 1982 constitution, we repatriated. We're all very proud of it. Um, there is, if you look at section 41, and section 41 has uh, the guidelines on which uh, you can change the Senate, you can change the office of the queen, and a bunch of high-level leadership things. If you want to do any of those, 
you have to get the backing of the House of Commons, the Senate. So you basically need an act of parliament. And then you need the unanimous consent of all 10 provinces. So in the U.S., when they need a constitutional amendment, that's two thirds of the states. And that's impossible. Uh, but here we need absolutely everyone to sign on. So if PEI decides they don't want to get rid of the Queen, we can't do it. That's interesting. So um, Justin Trudeau, finally enough, his dad has something to do with the fact that it's going to be hard to wiggle out of this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole Constitution thing, that was that was Pierre Trudeau's baby. So, uh, yeah, it's it's weird because he we, we see this as this, this great national moment that we brought home our Constitution and we didn't have to rely on Britain anymore. But within that great national uh, you know, independence document we have uh, was one of the probably of any other country in the world that has Queen Elizabeth II as head of state. Um, our constitution makes it hardest to get rid of her. Even the Brits. I mean, if the Brits want to get rid of the monarchy, all they really have to do is an act of parliament. They actually did it uh, 400 years ago. It didn't work out well. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, they don't need you know to ask every single sub-jurisdiction for the per- permission. The parliament just does it on their own. Wait a minute. What do you mean they did it 400 years ago? Oh, this was after, uh, remember Charles I was spending too much money, so they had the English Civil War, and then they cut his head off, and then they said, well, we're not going to have uh, a monarchy, and then they were a republic for 10 years, and then Oliver Cromwell came in, and he forced everybody not to celebrate Christmas, and then they forgot about it, and he brought back the monarchy. No one remembers oh, no, that. no, that slipped my mind. Go figure. 400 years yeah. ago. A little before my time, but wow, that's interesting. So they did try to operate without a monarchy, and it just didn't go their way. Yeah, and that's that's true of a lot of European countries that got rid of the monarchy, uh, like France. Uh, they got rid of it, cut its head off, and then it didn't work. Then they brought the monarchy back, and then they pushed them away, and then they they brought it back again. So, uh, in the UK, yeah, they absolutely experimented with a full blown republic um, where there was going to be absolutely no hereditary. And then at the end of ten years, they just passed another act of parliament saying uh, the last ten years didn't happen, and actually we had, we've had a king the whole time. Um, so. I think that's why this kind of uh, this, this argument fizzles out in the UK a bit faster, uh, because whenever you get Republican sentiment saying, let's get away from the monarchy, uh, mm-hmm. you can say, well, you had your chance and it sucked. How what's the appetite for ditching the monarchy here in Canada? Have you checked recently? Um, it, it's one of those things uh, where the appetite, I think the like the spiritual appetite is high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when you ask people, because even even royal insiders, like people who work at Rideau Hall, they're like, OK, we wouldn't this wouldn't have been the system we would have picked if we were starting fresh. I mean, obviously, there's an outdated system. Um, so when I think the most recent poll found that if it was an easy decision between an elected head of state and the queen, I think like only 30 percent or even 25 percent of Canadians favor the current system. Most people would want an elected head of state. But what those polls don't cover is, are you willing to go through all the nightmarish paperwork to actually get to that point? Because so imagine you've got some suicidal government that is officially out of problems. So they're thinking, well, okay, well, let's just open up the Constitution and try and get rid of the Queen and get the unanimous consent of all 10 provinces. Can you imagine the list of demands that all the provinces would be bringing to the table? If like, oh, if we're opening up the Constitution, Alberta's got some thoughts. Quebec's got some thoughts. And Newfoundland and Labrador have got some thoughts. So that's essentially what he's not what Trudeau knows that Justin Trudeau. So when people ask him, are you going to get rid of the queen? Uh, he's just thinking, oh, man, I am not I'm not opening the Constitution and dealing with premiers for eight months uh, because I mean, getting the Constitution passed was a nightmare of dealing with premiers, as uh, his father would have known. 
so that's essentially whenever we're talking about abolishing the monarchy, um, we're talking about reopening the Constitution, mm. which is just a national nightmare that would consume everything we absolutely do for three years. You know, the UK has gotten nothing done because they're just worried about Brexit. It's Brexit times 10. That's interesting. You know, one of the other points that I found interesting in your article is that uh, you you say that First Nations may push back on the idea of getting rid of the monarchy. Why would they? Oh, absolutely. Uh, because these, so the land on which um, most of Canada sits is on treaty land. Now, these were treaties, uh, many of them inked before the creation of Canada or just after uh, with the crown. Um, so you actually have uh, sort of this, there's, there's a difference of opinion among all 600 Canadian First Nations, but among many, there's this idea that, no, we made our pact with directly with the queen, the crown. This was, we, our chief showed up, signed a pact with their chief, and this is sort of a nation-to-nation agreement. And then this whole Canada administering it, they've actually kind of stuck at honoring the treaty. So um, you will see um, protests that sort of go directly to Rideau Hall rather than to the prime minister's office saying, no, 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 our, 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 our contract is with the Queen, not with these sort of lowly ministers. And, you know, the Department of Indian and Northern Affairs has sort of screwed it up for 150 years. Um, so, yeah, if you go to a powwow, you're going to see a Union Jack, probably. Um, if you look at the Treaty 6 flag uh, in Alberta and parts of Saskatchewan, it's, uh, it has the Union Jack on it. So uh, the idea that they have a direct connection to the Crown rather than to a parliament in Ottawa is very strong among First Nations. So the idea that you're just going to throw that out and we're just going to trust the government to sort of uh, undertake these treaties, which are some of the oldest treaties on the, in the world. Some of these go back 300, 400 years. Um, yeah, there is pushback. Uh, most recently, actually, there was, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the, the council, but this was a First Nations group that was uh, sent a letter directly to, Rito, uh, to Buckingham Palace and said, uh, we're kind of concerned that there's not a governor general um, right now. And we're asking you directly, because we signed the treaty with you, it is our right and privilege to speak directly to you and not have to deal with your minister in Ottawa. Did they get a response? Uh, they probably got the, every time a Canadian writes to the Queen, you can do this yourself. They're like, uh, you know, dear Queen Elizabeth II, there are too many, you know, too many cracks in my local sidewalk. You'll just get a letter back saying, uh, the Queen had literally listened to her minister. Thank you very much. And she was very concerned by your problem. Hmm. Uh, thank you, Rito. Uh, Sounds Buckingham. like somebody's written a letter to the Queen recently. How many do you have under your bed? Uh, I did think about doing it. There was that period where, like, Elizabeth May wrote a letter <laughs> asking the Queen to, like, swoop in and save our democracy or something. So they, there, I was thinking of a National Post pro- project where we would just all write letters to Buckingham Palace asking her to sell, right. solve our problems. Well, when you start a letter writing campaign, uh, let me know, because I might have a few things that we could come up with creative letter writing mm-hmm. uh, content mm-hmm. to share. Uh, I want to thank you for your time, Tristan. It's been really illuminating because I think a lot of people think it's a, like as easy as a quick decision to get rid of the monarchy, and you've really illustrated unless, unless why you it's stage not. a revolution, then it's super easy. But please oh. don't stage a revolution. Yeah, I, well, I'm not about to do that. I'm done my show. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us today. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. If you hit subscribe wherever you download your favorite podcasts, we'll be waiting for you daily. Have a great day.